Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, we had the opportunity to talk with Dan and Chelsea from SEU Worship, Southeastern University. Fun fact, I am the uh, academic director for Southeastern University's campus at the Belonging Co. in Nashville, so if you happen to be looking for a college, I would love to connect with you. Go ahead and shoot me a DM over on Instagram. But this is just a fantastic chat with Dan and Chelsea about everything that's going on with SEU Worship. If you haven't listened to their album yet, you want to check it out. But here we go with the Church Collective Podcast. I'm a worship pastor at Southeastern um university and that's what SCU stands for by the way and uh, so SCU worship yeah so my job is um, kind of leading worship helping drive some of the music and creative and, and touring stuff that we do at SCU yeah and um, yeah we're sort of just excited to talk about Heart Cry and the album what's happening and yeah. SCU worship if I could just summarize what it is we are basically a group of staff and students and, and that write songs and record uh, music and really, really, what we do is we lead worship for our chapel services. That's kind of mm. like the bread and butter of who our group is. And um, out of that, there's been this overflow of songs and music making. Uh, Ten years ago, we kind of, while I was a college student, we stepped out in faith to try and start releasing original songs, which a few universities, uh, universities and colleges had kind of started to knock on that door. But we went full tilt with it. Like we're going to do a couple of. So, albums a year you know that are just mm -hmm. original songs written by the staff and students from our chapel services yeah. and so that's kind of like the short version of who SE worship is and then um who i am in relationship to that yeah. this is chelsea yeah i'm chelsea i am i've been a student at seu at the university for five years now now i'm getting my master's and so i'm a graduate assistant with su worship and um kind of been a part of the team seeing kind of the fruits of of the labor of you and and of of previous pastors for just making that original music come to life and and having students involvement and um yeah but the 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 best part and our favorite part is definitely the chapels week in week out it's uh our student ministry our community so yeah it's a bit about us as worship yeah that's cool. I'd love to hear, Dan, if you could speak a little bit, um, a, a college with a worship pastor. I'm sure there's a bunch of worship leaders, pastors listening to this saying, I didn't even know that was a field I could look at, like getting hired at. Can you maybe speak to like, what was the heart behind like actually having a worship pastor at the chapel for a college? Oh, sure. Yeah. So a lot of universities have these sort of like chapel experiences, worship experiences, and depending on um, this, you know, sort of their their culture or the needs of that school, that institution. A lot of times they'll have like a worship director role, and that person's job is to coordinate the worship teams for chapel services and chapel experiences. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I I graduated here and went straight into full time vocational ministry, and then um, and then basically got a call back to do curricular work. So I came on as like a professor and doing some more graduate studies to sort of kind of build a school for what could be for worship students. Uh, that's initially why I came back to Southeastern. And then over time, it just sort of evolved into the worship director role. Yeah. Um, so, and then it's, it's kind of always changing season to season, but per need of the university. But um, yeah, it, it is funny. Like it's, it's a whole field. It, and for some people, it's academically connected. So some people get into it because it's sort of, you know, like you might be interested in furthering your studies when it comes right. to worship stuff. But there's also just the practical need of, you know, we need to keep the 
context of these worship services in higher ed. And this is really important. We need to keep the context of those worship services based in a contemporary reality. Because mm. if they start to go a little too traditional or even just a little too academic, then I think we are failing to equip students properly to get out in the field and do the kingdom work. Right. We, we sort of have promised to do them you know, the service of providing. So I think like when it comes to SEU, Dr. Engel and our leadership team has been so clear about making sure we're empowering students to go into the world, you know, to discover their divine design and go into the world and be uh, kingdom builders, makers, shapers, right? So for us, we keep it super practical, but I know like I've, I've gotten to know a handful of worship directors and there's so many different approaches. There's so many different ways to do it. So I think it's pretty cool, like as a field, as like an area yeah. and, um, I will say if you're a worship leader and you have a little bit of like a head knowledge, intellectual, or even like academic bent to you, it's a great place to be in, to be sort of in the university worship environment. It's been totally. really, really rewarding. What's your take on that, Chelsea? like the that role? Yeah, I think it's super unique and it's not obviously the typical context of a, of a church or a local ministry because it's students of a certain age group and filtering in and out every four years there's a four-year mm. turnaround every time so pastoring is uh it's it's kind of a um a different model than totally. than investing in in people long term for the long haul and obviously that's still in mind because these people still go on to live lives that uh, you might still be connected to but in terms of just learning how to really invest and be very intentional to say okay these next four years right. how are we investing into these students and how um how is this worship experience going to set them up and shape them for the next you know however many years of ministry whether that's vocationally in a church or not and so i think it's it's a it's a really unique and cool model of of worship ministry and uh, even pastoral ministry, I'm sure. Um, totally. And create a creative outlet with with always young adults. It's it's yep. it's very unique. It's very very unique. But it's yeah. a part. We have a lot of fun. Yes. I keep coming back to like the metaphor of a river versus a reservoir. So like a church or or a traditional organization that would kind of have. Um, or ministry would have this more almost like a reservoir feel to it. Like, so the water that flows in is kind of supposed to more or less stay there. Like you want people to be right. lifers at your church. You know, you want people that start at your church <laughs> to end up going to your internship program and then maybe coming on staff as your church grows. Like if you're familiar with, you know, growing churches, like this is a dynamic that's common. And then any of the water that kind of flows out, you really want it to be a little bit more intentional or ideally it's happening, you know, in health. But at, at SCU in the higher ed model, the context is much more like a river. Right. <laughs> like you never have the water for long. It's just always intended to be flowing and flowing and flowing. Exactly. So the challenge for, for, for me and all the leaders here is just to perpetually be in, into that handing mm -hmm. off and that giving over and uh, giving the keys too early so that the water can keep flowing. So for us, the challenge isn't so much the running water because the nature of it is that the water is going to keep moving but how do we make the river wider like how do we mm. bring more people into it and um how do we steward that appropriately yep. in order according to what god's called us and gifted us mm. to do so definitely unique and uh keeps us on our toes we have a lot of fun leading in that it's context it's a blast yeah yeah
little quiet moment on <laughs> that part. Out. I was, I was thinking, I was actually yeah. thinking about um, part of what you just said, Dan, which I think is interesting. And I think a lot of churches don't often understand, or maybe they don't I want to say they don't understand. They don't understand the intentionality behind when you, when it's the river model, it, there's an in point and there's an out point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of churches that have people that do that. I mean, I think even just my own background, when my wife and I, we were worship pastors for 10 years and we were near a military base. So like literally six months to 18 months, the entire congregation would do like a 50% turnover. Wow. So it, it shaped our whole perspective on not just leading songs, but also leading people because especially military guys, they come in and they want to serve right away and you have to find a space for them. You can't be like, well, we have a six month waiting program. Then we have a one year, like get to know church, right. church gets to know you. It was like, yeah. we had to escalate the process. But I think what was interesting just about what you shared was when, when, when the desire is to teach and to invest into not just next generation, but now generation, and then you're willing to create systems and room environment for them to have the opportunity early on. I think it actually gives them a better chance to go deeper. Um, and I think there's an interesting conversation, obviously, Ryan, with you guys with Church Collective, just the environment that you're connecting with different churches and people that are going to be you know, watching or listening to this, thinking about how could their takeaway be, what can I do to invest into the people? Let's not assume you have them for 10 years or they're lifers. Let's maybe say you have them for a season for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. how would you give them the, your best in, in the time that you have with them? And, and maybe don't wait till the end, like lead strong at the front. But it's so good. I mean, I've, I, that's a great question. Great and question. The, the first place that my mind goes to is just holding on to everything uh, like loosely. Totally. Um, I think part of, so there's a, you know, like that scripture that says he, God owns a cattle uh, on a thousand hills, which I, I love ancient metaphors like that. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? That's crazy, <laughs> weird image. But I love thinking of the God of abundantly more, right, than we could ask, think, or imagine, like the God who just owns everything and has mm. everything. And we sometimes treat people mm. like he's not the God of a thousand people on a thousand hills. He's the God of just like the two or three you have right now or the 10 or 12 you have right now. And a lot of us can be so like this with the people and the resources around us. And I just think that there is something true to the stewardship of what God's given you to say, like, actually, I need to hold everything around me with, with, um, like it's on lease to me. So mm-hmm. I guess what I mean by on lease is like when you lease a car, you still basically drive it like you own it, even though you don't, because mm-hmm. you want to return that thing in the best shape possible, unless you're just right. like a maniac. I don't know, but <laughs> you want to return that thing in the best shape possible. Right. So you don't have to like incur any more extra fees or whatever. And I think that's probably a better way for us to think about stewarding the kingdom of God. Like everything that we have, we're giving on lease. So we should we should treat it like we own it, but also know that a day is going to come where that thing will ultimately be released. So whether that's people or a position or an area of ministry that you lead, or how about this, like worship leaders, like a style, yeah, <laughs> like a style that you're kind of glued to or that you love, yeah. like a, a, a flow, a song, a, a song, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a song, yeah. Right. Oh man, I'm thinking of old worship pastors I had. It's time to hang up some of those songs. Right. <laughs> we, all, we all heard a song in our head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We all know. There. Yeah, no shade. <laughs> but um, so we, yeah, I think like that that principle is so, so huge. Yeah. And yeah, it's so huge. It's so true, right? Like I actually was, I had a convo yesterday. I was thinking about this that even Christ, like Christ, God's ministry through Christ was transitional. Like, 
Jesus isn't still walking around on earth right now the same way he came. Like it was for a season and then the right. transition was the Holy Spirit, you know, to kind of come through in yes. and through us, right? So I think there's something to that nature of just in the season you have, uh, be intentional with what you have, but knowing that it's, it is that kind of flowing river idea that it's, we're supposed to be loose handed with it. And um, yeah. Totally. I feel like this context um, probably is pretty helpful actually for moving on to if, if uh, staff or students are moving on from here to a vocational ministry role to mm -hmm. not be an insecure leader that uh, which which I'm sure many people have felt in in where they feel like God's calling them elsewhere, but they they want to be loyal to their church that they've they've been at for ten years. And there's something to say about longevity. You know, right. there's there's definitely fruitfulness in longevity, yeah, and and that's not um, what I what I'm trying to get at. It's just that everything that we have is is again a a, a lease from God, yeah, a, yeah. a a lending from God, right? And um, so I, I think it helps to have that mindset of, okay, I'm going to invest as much as I'm able to right now as if, you know, God has everything else for this person. Um, and I think it's very, it's very helpful to raise maybe more secure leaders in a context where things are just naturally um, coming and going. So, mm. uh I, I think it's it's helpful for for me who possibly wants to be in a you know a vocational ministry role later on in life to not hold preciously to what's not mine mm. um, and to people that are not mine and to things that are not mine um, and to really just hear the voice of God in every every season and just be like I'm going all in uh, right now and being super intentional and super diligent to make sure that these people are stewarded well right now, you mm -hmm. know, and, mm -hmm. and this, this thing, this uh, ministry, whatever it is, is, is stewarded well right now. So I think it's, I think it's really helpful. Yeah. I'd love to, to go back a little bit, um, like having just a finite amount of time. And Jamie, if you want to jump in on this too, I'd love to know, like, what, what kind of minimum skill level do you have? Like, what's your audition process look like? Because obviously you can't bring them in you know, too far one way or the other, like there's gotta right. be like, but what's the sweet spot and what do you do with, and what if somebody's coming in a little under, do you work with like a, yeah, just love to hear your audition process. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, uh, you need to have two to three years of ribbon twirling exactly. experience. Of course, yep. natural. So you have the flags right. and ribbons. Flags. Yes. Right. Assemblies of God that. college, natural has to be part of it. Exactly. <laughs> you understand. Finally yeah. Don't forget Very much necessity. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we well definitely it walk sounds like we're that. sounds like we're poking fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, actually, this sounds crazy. I, I it's funny like how I used to make fun of that stuff when I was younger, and now I see it and it blesses my heart so yeah. much. Yeah, my church has a flag yeah. ministry. I, I love, love those it. women. I'm just like man and men. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think like when it comes to uh your question about basically the audition process, um, what's unique about a university is there's just always a huge we probably say no more often than a church would right just because yeah. we have so many people we'll have like 150 to 200 per semester yeah. audition wow. and in reality there's like 8 12 maybe that we kind of move forward in the process so that gives us the ability to have a really high bar and then yeah. what we do in so let me talk about the audition process and then i'll talk about some principles we have that kind of like 
protect it a bit. So we actually have a thing we say where we don't we don't have on team or off team. We just say um, you're either rotation ready or not. So mm -hmm. SU worship's a big family and community. And if you're showing up and you're in our worship choir and you're kind of because the worship choir is basically like a walk on environment, come be a part. It's not too complicated. It's not too um, technical. So come be a part. Like everyone's yeah. on the team. We're totally. all on the team, on the family. And um, it doesn't mean that you're rotation ready though. So rotation ready means you have to hit a couple of, of sort of bars of excellence. Yeah. And um, I'll talk about the musically and then Chelsea, you can tag the vocal stuff. But yep. mu musically it's, can you play to a click track? Sure. Now, what's funny about, yeah, well, I'll, I'll do the first. Can you play to a click track and are you comfortable using in-ear monitors? And what's okay. funny about those two things is those are almost, the click track one is slightly skill related, but they're really more technologically related. Like. Most of the time you'll get a student that's really talented and you realize they've actually just never played to a click track. Like they've right. never played with in-ears in. So all they need is a little bit of time doing that and then they get a chance to be a part of the ministry in the next iteration of it, if that makes sense. So it's it's those two technical things and then the skill thing would be uh, being able to memorize the lyrics. I'm sorry, not the lyrics, although that's important too. Memorize the music and the chords and the arrangements. Yeah. So those are kind of the three bars people have to clear. Can you play to a click track? Um, are you comfortable using in-ears? Are you, you know, kind of, can you navigate it? Can you hear yourself? And then the third thing is, um, do you have, are you able to play the songs without chord sheets in front of you? And just from memory, including the lead parts, all of that, right? So those are the three musical things to clear. And what we found is that those first two are really more technical oriented. I, I mean, around like the technology piece. And all it takes is for us to do a few events to get people kind of the resources they need. Yeah. And so we'll do these culture nights, team nights throughout the year that kind of just, they're all calls for everybody. Hey, come be a part. You know, you auditioned for guitar last year. I want you to show up, come play your guitar with, with the, our other guitar players, with maybe one of our staff MDs or whatever. And let's see if we can get you uh, learning how to play to a click track. Let's see if we can get you comfortable with in ears. So that's kind of the bar and then the steps we have to get somebody from rotation ready to not, but you should touch on vocals. Yeah. And then vocally we'll have, um, just different rooms of people with staff members and then a student worship leader and then a, an instrumentalist, either an acoustic guitar or a piano. Um, we give students four or five songs to choose from. We ask them about themselves first and just try and get to know them. Cause that's the culture we want to set. Um, is that you guys are people that we care about first. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'll, we'll chat with them, get to know them, um, and then they'll start singing uh, of whatever song that they choose from the five cent. Um, things that we're mostly looking for is definitely preparation is a huge yeah. one. So people can be really talented singers, really, really talented vocalists, um, and then uh, have to pull up the lyrics for a song or um, maybe not come in on time, things like that. Um, just kind of like an excellence matters. Uh, that's like a, a culture that we want to set as well. Like preparation matters no matter how talented you are. Right. Um, so uh, we look at preparation, obviously, uh, just like a vocal uh, skill, stuff like that. And, um, and then like how we felt like meeting you like what were you like uh uh how, how can we see you involved on on a team and the nice thing about um kind of the the i, I keep saying culture but the culture we're setting lately mm -hmm. is that it's not a you're on or you're off um type of 
type of mentality. It's actually, hey, here's how you can get involved. Maybe you're not rotation ready this semester, but here's how we see you progressing. Start, start here. Um, you're gonna, for some people it's like, hey, you need to be on the worship choir because you are definitely going to be an asset to this team. For some people it's like, hey, we want you meeting with um, some of our worship pastors in these coming semesters mm -hmm. so that we can um, get you growing and on to rotation um, with within the following, you know, however long uh, is seen fit. And for some people it's on rotation um, right away and that's on chapels and, and tours. And But I think that's a really cool thing about um, SE worship is that again like everyone's part of the fam everyone's mm -hmm. part of the team and there's always ways to grow if you want to grow musically there's space for that if you want to grow um, individually pastorally there's space for that so yeah yeah there, there's space for that growth and I'll add this to you guys like a technical piece so like um, after all that is said and done the rotation ready there's like a, a another layer deeper we would call like a student leadership opportunity right which you have to go through an interview process and that's a scholarship position so mm. i think we have um uh, i think the number is like 30 of those yeah 30 I think. yeah so there's like 30 of those students so those would be like our best drummer is a student leader scholarship you know but not only do they play well and their spirits right they show leadership skills because they have 100%. to lead other drummers other musicians and then also like the academic piece is big on that that front as well yeah. so all those things kind of have to be in the right standing to get into that scholarship spot so it's kind of tiered that way if that makes sense yeah i have a yeah. question oh good yeah no i was just thinking about because I, I i think what i love about just seu as a whole is this this internal wiring for and you mentioned discovering your divine design and then kind of the other part of that is developing and so we have the discoverers, we have the developers, and I think when you find the synergy of both, so in this mix, you've got people that are coming in there in this process of still discovering, but then they're also helping others to develop. And I know the heart behind it, just because obviously being a part of SEU, is how Chapel was birthed out of this kind of like, almost like, it wasn't, it wasn't some clever plan. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to build a worship movement, we're going to make this thing happen, and 10 years from now, we'll be able to be celebrating these accolades and awards. It was a it was like this deep heart thing to just worship the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And I forget what the, the small the small chapel that's in the, the other building, um, just some of the history. But I think what I love at this juncture for me to be involved too is hearing how it started with this desire just for the presence of the Lord and, and, and heart of worship. Now it's evolved into something that's training, teaching, equipping, giving students opportunities. You guys have put framework in place to do that, but there's still that heart piece um, and it, it was a phrase that I heard back in April or May was this idea that the, the experience is from the chapel to the classroom. So how it starts in the presence with the Lord, and then it works its way out into the rest of it. But I just talk a little bit about how you guys maybe steward or even the, the idea of the students are coming in and they're, be, they're being trained and taught on biblical literacy, even for worship, how, how the emphasis is on learning or being deep in the word before they actually learn the words of the song. Like talk about just the whole process for that. Um, so you, you uh, the questions about biblical literacy with songwriting, you're saying? The, maybe the process of like students, there's because you know they're going deeper with Jesus and then they're also going deeper in their skill, but how you guys have created the environment where you have all the technical 
and kind of like raise the bar, but also there's the spiritual investment so that their lives are going deeper into the word. Right. Yeah. You know what's, and it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking that sometimes we feel a pressure, like as we raise the technical bar, are we, what does that mean for the spiritual climate? And I will say what we've discovered is when you raise the technical bar, what you're really doing is you're inviting people either closer into relationship with you and closer into kind of those coaching conversations. And whenever that starts to happen, you get a better look into someone's character. And in raising the technical bar, we've actually been able to have, it opens up way more pastoral opportunities, which is something that I would have thought as like non-related. But I, I have found in, yeah. in like my worship leadership, my worship pastoring, that that's actually related. That in, somehow in raising the technical bar, it opens up an opportunity for me to have a lot more pastoral conversations and coaching moments and, and you know, telling people how I can help them and uh, coaching people and how I can help them improve. And uh, for us, the, the, the spiritual piece is, is really, I mean, it really comes down to like just authenticity. Yes. <laughs> like we have a lot of wiggle room for, for people when it comes to their spiritual walk and that grace we can give them so long as we can sense and know within our context of knowing them, relationship to them, are you authentically seeking the presence of God? Are you authentically depending on him to sort of speak to your life, give you direction for the future. And again, the only real way you can vet that stuff is by knowing people. So we spend a lot of time getting to know our students, like our, our office. Um, we've, we've, it's been remarked upon about our office, <laughs> about just how social it is, but it's because we create an environment for students just to come in and hang out and be around. Yeah. And, um, and what better way to get to know people's heart and what they're after. Um, how that translates into the songwriting uh, or anything you want to add on that Chelsea before I yeah no I think I think you hit it like get just getting to know students I think is so helpful for this age range of people too mm, yeah. because it's not um, it's maybe less it's more of an insecurity but finding security and wanting to be vulnerable but not knowing how to do that that kind of age range of like 18 to 20 something year olds um so it's like hey that's okay like we're gonna we're gonna kind of foster all of these things with you and to just have a a space for people to be open to be authentic to be vulnerable um like logistically even we'll have uh team leaders do do team hangs every week like every Mm -hmm. every semester like twice a semester and meet with all of the students on their team and having staff um intentionally meet with students meet with student leaders uh check-ins things like that is is how we relationally invest and i think that's a very important aspect to especially this age range of of people um is is how you get the teaching which is which is i mean everyone but how you you know kind of uh are able to correct are able to be like this is god's word this is what it says mm-hmm. um is by creating that avenue of relationship first yep. so yeah totally. so and then i think like songwriting for us it just comes out of that stuff totally i, I was trying to think like we we tend to be really hyper intentional i'm sorry it's just we tend to be hyper intentional and hyper systematic about um, 
our approach to whatever. And I think like when it comes to songwriting and the biblical part of it, we have more intentionality on the back end of that. So it's it, uh, what I did for our Heart Cry record is there's two or three songs that, you know, if there was a biblical or theological question, I actually sent it to some of our theology faculty and our campus pastor here to let them kind of air out and land on some changes. And that, that was ended up being a really healthy way to totally. kind of approach some of the issues that I thought we were kind of coming across. Um, but that was more a back end thing. I think on the front end, the way that the biblical literacy and theology piece comes into play is just in us talking about what God's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And then from there, we start to sing about it and start to just talk about it. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's almost that simple. There's not much more to it. Yeah. So like when you're, you know, again, like if you have a relationship with people and you're on, like authentically talking about what God's doing, then it becomes really easy yes. to write songs with each other. Yes. We just talk about, oh, this is what God does. This is what he wants to do. This is what he's doing. 100%. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the best songs and songwriting don't come when people come into a room and they're like, I have this great idea and I like this is going to be great. It comes when people come in and they feel like themselves. Mm -hmm. Like they feel like yeah. they can they can throw out ideas and they can <clears throat> be like, this is what I've been going through. This is what I've been feeling. And that again, that aspect of songwriting comes through relationship with others and so um i think that's like a really unique cool environment it's not just like these people who are like yeah i know what i'm doing and this is a cool idea for a song let's just make it it's like no i feel myself around these people and so i can share openly about what i feel like god's doing what um, ideas god's placing in my heart and how i feel like songs can affect our community so yes yeah yeah to, to go to jump a little bit in on the album itself um i'm just looking at like the, listening to the song monday morning faith it seems like um especially for like younger people it, it feels like that's like a a continual thought it's like i want to take this past just the weekend which i guess yeah it, there's there's no christian that would disagree with that but sure. is there is there like a um a sense of like an urgency for it as like a younger person like do, like, do you feel I, i'm just basically interested where do you think the church is going and worship and like yeah mm. talk a little bit to that it's a really good question um i think for us when when uh we were writing that that was a a song that originally came with myself and other students um and exploring that idea and that was like a very that was something that was on all of our hearts um, that we felt like God wasn't just like calling the church to, but convicting us about and calling us to a, to a holy standard, of course, with grace and with like God's, as the word says, his goodness leads us to repentance. Right. And so um, it's his goodness that led us there. But uh, I think, I think, um, I don't know. I think I think this generation maybe has been interpreted as as needing a ton of things in order to see a real thing, mm -hmm. yeah, um, sure. needing a bunch of creative elements or a bunch of, you know, intros that are fun and exciting so that we can mm. pay attention long enough to see the real thing. But <laughs> in reality, like people our age and younger, like they just want something real. real. Yeah. They yeah. literally just want something real. And so I mean, Monday Morning Faith kind of comes out of that of like, I, like we don't need 
I don't need to tell you that like, um, I don't know. I, I don't need to tell you an anecdote in order to get you to know that there you need peace and, and, and joy and, and the goodness of a real God. Right. Um, and that, that comes, I, I think people are ready to be called to holiness, especially my age. Right, right, right. Um, they're ready to be, to, to experience how does the, this become real in my life? And it's not just on a Sunday and it's not just on, um, you know, a worship night, although those things are totally godly and totally amazing to be communally involved. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just like, I don't know, the misconception of, of young people needing things to get into the presence of God. It's just like, no, they just yeah. want it. Like we just want it. It's so true. And so, yeah. so that, that, that teaching of like, it's every single day then that's like a, a teaching that people want actually mm -hmm. like that our souls are craving. Um, not, it's not just like, Oh, this, this stinks, you know, like this, this right. is, this is so annoying. Yeah. You know, that's so good. I mean, if, if I was going to go out on the limb, just like take a total like guess. I think I, I, I so I, what's fun about like me and Chelsea's uh, dynamic is I'm I'm a millennial, you know, pastor worship leader, and then she's like Gen Z. So we're like <laughs> all the staff in the office were always talking about like the differences, right. what, what it was like for me to be coming up as a worship leader. And one of the things we keep kind of I keep coming back to is just technology, like. It's, I constantly forget that I have a computer at my disposal, basically, in my hand. Right. Like, to, to me, a phone is still just for texting and calling. Like, I just, I don't know if you guys struggle. I just perpetually forget that, like, I can make videos with it. I can do right. Like, it's not on the <laughs> forefront of my mind. Like, of course I know, you know, because I'm not, like, you know, on Mars. <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm right. hip. I'm with it. I'm with it. I was like, <laughs> Ryan, what what, what generation are we, Ryan? If, 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 if we've got, like, millennial Gen Z, I don't even know what I am. I know I'm like I'm I'm the fringe of a millennial, like a yeah, I was gonna say, you guys should Gen Gen X millennial, yeah, like right before. Yeah. I'm 47. <laughs> I don't know what that means. All I know is you're like full like, Gen X. Feeling, yeah, <laughs> I feel encouraged by this moment because I'm like I know my phone is for more than like texting and phone calls, <laughs> and I've done a couple of videos and I've even created some like ideas and like songs and stuff that are that are yeah, on there. there. Then there's days where I'm like, can I just throw this thing out the window and go back to like the the flip phone? So exactly, yeah. I miss my flip but, phone. RIP to the flip phone. <laughs> um, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is like for, for Gen Z, there's this sense of like, oh, the technology doesn't have to be at a computer. It's actually like always available. Like my, I don't have to go get a camera to make something. It's just right here. And yeah. Yeah. like literally out of nowhere, like I'll just be writing an email and I'll look up and my, and my office is full of people with cameras out. And it's just like, <laughs> at any moment they can make something. Right. And if you translate that to like our spirituality, I do think there is this propensity generationally for us to be like, well, when we come together as a church or just in general, this is the propensity of the church. When we come together as a church, that's the holy time. Like that's the sacred time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And for Gen Z to say like, well, I can make anything whenever I want and create anything whenever I want. So why can't we also just see God move whenever we want? Totally. Like, I know that might be a bit of a leap, but I just think like there's yeah. this sort of creative energy to them. It's like, no, let's see God now. Let's go forward and see yeah. God move now that I yeah, find really Don't inspiring. wait for Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to wait till Sunday. Like, yeah. And it's really energizing and inspiring. And then even in like the pastoral conversations, you know, it's like, can you pray for me now? Can we, can we pray right. for that yes. now? You know, can we, can yeah. we talk about that now? Like, I don't want to wait for a, the formal occasion to have that moment, that awakening. Let's do it right 
now. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's something that I've observed as well about our college students and younger people that work at SCU is there is a, um, there's an urgency in the presence, in the present, there's an urgency in the present to see God move as opposed to waiting for it for any other time. Which Which, I mean, there's a running, there's a running joke at this point where it's like, Oh, I'll pray for you. And it's like, no, pray now. Right. I'm like, we've we've all seen that meme at some point, right? but exactly. What, um, like actually do it, not just say you're going to do it. Right. I'd love to hear, what would you say to the uh, pastor that's listening to this that really wants his church to have more young people? So, so like they, they want to be more real, but like you got any like practical steps towards them? Maybe they, I mean, obviously they don't need to buy all the lights, I guess, but what, what would you, what would you tell that pastor that wants more young people in his church? Throw out the skinny jeans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do it. Sacrilege. I'm still rocking my skinny jeans. I have a few things I want to say, but I'm really curious to hear what Chelsea is about to say. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, come on, Chelsea, bring us home. Do something awesome. Um, you need the fog. You need the lights. You need. I'm kidding. Kidding. Um. (laughs) Um. Is that as in like the smoke or the fear of God? Which which fog are we talking about here? No, the smoke. Kind of glory. Yeah. (laughs) Or is it you have you have the right merch? You need the right clothing brand. Right, you need the merch. You need the right haircut. Yep, right haircut. Um, no, I feel like something that I think brings in young people. First of all, again, it's literally, first of all, speaking the word of God. I promise you that will attract people. Like, it just will. Like, something real, if you're really pursuing the presence of, of Jesus, I'm telling you, we want it. Like everyone wants mm. it. Uh, it's not like formulaic in that you have to make this message for for a young audience in like bringing up some like hip, hip phrase or right. something. Although it might help, like, you know, you stay up to date. But I, I think like, first of all, just preaching the word, like, um, you know, I think is is so important. I think something maybe practically for like your volunteers, the people who want to get involved in your church, um, just create open space for maybe new positions to to yeah. arise, for like creative outlets for because again, like Dan was saying, there's so many opportunities for us to create all the time, and so may, just being open that you don't even have a position yet for what this young person can do in your church, um, that you might not even have um, a role that that is correctly labeled out right now that they could actually fill and be an asset to um, your your church community. So I think like leaving room for, for creative outlets is gonna be so helpful in just making someone feel a part of your, their community for their authentic selves. Um, and that, that might look like photography, you know, social media, videography, or, or it could look like, you know, I want to just, just as far as raising up young people, like I want to see what pastoring is like, you know, Mm. are, 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 do you have, do you have people that are pastoring others through, um, their creative giftings and whether that's, uh, worship leadership, pastoral leadership, whether that's, um, business-minded young people, whether that's uh, creative young people, I think just mm. just uh, creating space for them to have 
you know, their their creative out or not even creative outlets. They're just outlets and and passions and things that God has gifted them in. Are can those be stewarded at your church? Yeah, exactly. I, I totally, I totally. Mm, that's great. I think that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say what we do is we we really just give all of our college students the keys too early. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're just like we're gonna give you this opportunity way too early, and I'm gonna we're gonna love on you so hard and just coach you and be available to you. And this is the thing is like, even when I'm coaching somebody though, I don't, I, I really have learned for Gen Z specifically, if you wanna create some resonance in their life, I've really learned that I'm not gonna coach in with an air of, you need my coaching. I'm gonna do it from an air of, you're doing a great job, just wanna encourage you. And I wanna be a voice of just getting your back, loving on you. And by the way, if you need help, I'm here. Yeah. And that's been way more effective to let them kind of lead what they need in those coaching moments. Um, the most important thing is just getting them involved, like letting them actually participate, design totally. things, make things, handle the worship leading moments, handle the stage moments, you know, and, and you can always create safe pockets in a worship set totally. to include somebody. And you can always get safe pockets on your team to get somebody involved, but just getting them involved. I think we always are trying to have a, a kind of bar we want cleared before someone can drive our social media or do whatever right. but i just think you know now it's like a full circle we're coming back to this conversation started just don't hold that stuff too precious just totally like, let someone take a crack at it and yeah. i think you see a lot of fruit in reaching uh, the next generation doing that yeah yeah i mean that that's biblical right like paul is telling timothy don't let people look down on you because you're young so there absolutely right. must have been an element there that he was sending them off and right. yeah that's awesome yeah right. exactly i think the phrase actually dan that you just used but we give them the keys way too early like legitimately, I, I, I wish that churches as a whole would adopt that mindset. Yeah. Like just do it before it makes sense, before it's too early. Because to me, it's like, and this is just some of the last 20 years, just my experience. A lot of times church would hold back on allowing people opportunity because they were waiting for spiritual maturity or the, or the, like the evidence of it. I'm like, well, hold on a second. What about spiritual maturity in your leadership? Hmm. Are you creating a platform mindset where this is the prize to get on this stage? Or are you recognizing that there are stages in people's lives that you have the ability to lead and to help them grow in their own maturity for themselves, not because it, it allows them this thing that's like we herald up here. And I just wonder like what it would look like. And Ryan, you probably know just from Church Collective and just the, the span of who you guys get to talk to. This is actually maybe a question for you, Ryan, just to spin the podcast back on you. <laughs> what would it What would it look like if the church did that? What if we adopted the mindset of giving the keys too early? Knowing that it's going to take a little bit that you can't like foolishly, but, but almost lower this, whatever the person, I mean, I've seen it so many times you go and it's like, Oh, they get to be on stage. Right. When in reality it's talent will get you there, but character won't keep you there. But if character is the thing that's being developed, whether you're on it or off of it doesn't matter. So question is what would it look like if the church was to be willing to actually give the key sooner, which also means giving it to people that are younger and then create the environment for them to, I always use this, this principle of like fail fast, fail hard, fail many times, but fail forward so that mm -hmm. you're constantly growing and you're learning it. And then on the balance of that is this principle of recovery rates. We talk about a lot when we do, when we do trainings with like team or staff or people it's like recovery rate is your ability to get back to where you were in recovery to what you just experienced. Right. So if we, if we preface this idea for church, what would that look like? 
and and what would it what would it change for our whole context of just Christianity? Ryan, you get to figure out. What to do. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was thinking like Chelsea was talking about like people want real, and I mean, I've got twenty years of you know quote unquote mega church. I, I think what do you define it by like a thousand people at a church or not? Like I've got some of that experience, right. mm-hmm. and and it does seem like um, there's this bar where if you want to be a part of our worship ministry, you have to be uh, musically at a quality that is like a better product but i know just personally i used to name them uh worship mulligans where we would try again like the times where we were leading worship and made horrible mistakes where we'd fall off the track or something we would stop and but like we would pick it back up and start singing and then always the room would be so much more into it and so much more engaged in the worship so i just i wonder if um I mean, and this is a dangerous slope to go down. Like, but how do you find that level of like allowing for more mistakes, I think, and being comfortable with more mistakes and being comfortable yes. with people uh, on the stage rather than the quality that they bring, which, totally. yeah, dangerous stuff. But I guess, that, but yeah. <laughs> it's something that I've been thinking about a lot is, is that one of the primary roles of a worship leader is to be both uh, in charge of creating a transcendent moment with God and being relatable. <laughs> mm, yeah. And it's like kind of paradoxical that you have to kind of find a way to relate to people, let them feel warm. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Ryan. Totally. And to me is like, yeah, hey, how do I find a way without having to like make a mistake and be like, whoops, we made a mistake. Right. How do I like plan the mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys, we're going to, this to you, this week is going to be a tracks mistake we're going to make. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Song two. Song two tracks with days. It's going to be great. People are going to really connect with that. Yeah. <laughs> awkward, awkward transition out of the quiet moment to right. the welcome yeah, exactly. spot where we go into yeah. a video announcement. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think the point so, is you got to find a way to relate to people, and you can only do that by getting authentic. And then that makes the moments of, you know, the transcendent moments of getting people into the presence of God, acknowledging his goodness, acknowledging his presence, and right. acknowledging him as Lord over the room and our lives and the world. Mm-hmm. That, it's just you have to have that relatable piece to get there and make that. Um, yeah. effective. And then in fact, the Lordship piece makes that part even more dynamic and I yep. don't know, engaging and grace oriented. Yeah. Yep. So I feel, wish, wish I had the reference, but like, uh, was it not many of you should think so highly of yourselves? Like the, that passage, I, I guess that's for church leaders, especially like evangelical American churches. Like I do think we're producing um, far too much of a show versus just believers coming yeah. together and gathering. And I think like the more we can pick at that a little bit i think would make a big difference too but yeah we we put a lot of emphasis on our own thoughts being more important than they actually are too yeah the bible talks about god says my thoughts are not yours it's like oh yeah good point like we think that where we're out or what we're doing and our thing is the most or it's the best or it's the whatever and god's like that's cool good start and he's also like he's he's watching us grow through that process as well Ryan, I don't know what the format normally is for this, but I'm dying to ask a couple of questions. Like, I, I want to know. Yeah, so, go for it. I'm going to ask both both Dan and then Chelsea. Dan, favorite song on Heart Cry? Mm. No, don't do this oh to my me. Gosh. My favorite song is just very, it's very, very personal. I wrote the song called People Get Ready. And if that sounds familiar, it's because I ripped off an old song. <laughs> inspiration of it. We used to sing that song called People Get Ready. Um, I, I think it's called that. Yeah, uh, Jesus back is in the coming day. soon. Yeah, that's it. Yep, and um, yeah. and I I like woke up one morning and I was thinking about how like I got sad that my I have a two year old that my kid would never like hear that song and then wouldn't have that. We just sang so much about Jesus coming back in my church yeah. growing up, up in a small Pentecostal church, and so I got really motivated to like 
finish a song idea about this idea of like, we got to get ready because Jesus is coming. Like when you have guests coming over your house, like you get ready. Right. And we don't have, like, I don't know, there's something about that that got me really energized to write that song. And so I love, I love every element of it. I love how it's, how the, it sounds and the writing of it. So it's, um, it, that's probably my favorite favorite song but it may not be the cool. best song on the record but it's my personal favorite <laughs> no, it's the best. yeah chelsea how about you um okay i would have to say either fu funny but pour it out is i think mm. my favorite song, song off yeah. of the album uh, i'm with you on that one yes it's because i mean the whole song is so great but literally every time um it's saying uh with humble hearts we turn away from our sin mm -hmm. like i i cry like every wow. time i hear it because yeah. i'm like i've never heard a song say that and it leads me to repentance every time i'm like wow. oh my gosh with a repentant heart i turn away from our from my sin yeah um i don't know why it gets me every time and i think mm -hmm. musically it's just so good dylan dames oh my gosh what a guy what a guy so um he leads that song and he leads that song and he leads yeah that's so good so i a uh, question just following up from that and then ryan you can either cut me off or eject yeah. me out of the whatever you want to yeah, do. yeah go for it um, <laughs> well there's two parts one is um do you guys record or track any of it live throughout the year and then you're picking up moments or do you set aside a time or set time aside to go like, okay, we're going to go record for the purpose of producing the album. What's the, what's the vibe on that? Yes. <laughs> That's the answer. Yes. Yes to, <laughs> yes to both. Yes. You could speak on yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> we're, we, we're just now experimenting more and more with uh, capturing moments live that we could maybe put out there but we've definitely had a hyper intentionality i mean we, we're a student-based ministry so one of my favorite yeah. things to do is when um, a guest comes into town and wants to come tour what we have and i'm like here's our two staff people and students and they're just like what you're so small and i'm like yeah we're just small and mighty like right. <laughs> it, I, but we're, we are just the homegrown love jesus and so we, we really have to put intentionality around the recording pieces because um because we're so student oriented, we don't always have that everything's so developmental. So we don't have that high production thing at every juncture, if that makes sense. Sure. So we yeah. have to kind of create a lot of intention around those moments. I think the takeaway for like your everyday church leader is that even in any context you have, um, you can actually create high intentionality around a captured moment, like whether that's once a year or once a quarter. Mm -hmm. And so for us right now, it is, we're kind of going project to project. What do we want to record next? But the goal yeah. is for us to get into our monthly nights of worship, that those are recorded, and then that we could actually use those for um, albums or what have you as, the, as time goes on. So, yeah. that's good. I love that you, you shared that. I, obviously, Ryan and I, we both go to The Belonging in Nashville, <clears throat> which is unfair because they just record everything all the time and the quality <laughs> and the caliber of your musicianship that's there. I'm, I know part of their heart is like they just they take what they've already done and they kind of tweak and finish. And I think what that does is it can set up for other churches two things. Now they have to try to become something that they're not. It's not within their mandate or with the, what God has called them to do. Or they're like, well, we just want to tackle it at all. <clears throat> we don't know how to go there. And and I remember like even for us, probably 10 years ago, we were leading worship. There was this there was this thing about going away and recording a worship album somewhere else that wasn't authentic. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. The purpose of Sunday 
and, and in the context of like worship teams and worship team development is to give people the chance to engage and be a part of something versus you've made an elite group of people, you know, that are like special. Right. So for us, like the weekend, the day, and even with the context of, of SEU, it's like the point is to give people the opportunity to experience more than what they've experienced before, to grow in the calling that's on their lives, to discover, to develop all the things that God's wiring within them. And then you go and go, okay, but now for this, this is the goal, this is the target. And even just as an encouragement to just churches as a whole, like if maybe you're not supposed to be recording or writing and releasing albums, maybe the call that's on your on your house is to take what is happening and to develop people within that. If it is part of your call, then then don't try to like don't take off don't bite off more than you can chew, right? Like start with the most authentic. And if part of it is writing like one song and you go away and you have a little well, at this point, you can practically do everything on your phone, <clears throat> you know, and, and creating something that's out of there versus this disingenuous kind of like we over manufactured, like we went into a studio, we wrote a song, it was poorly produced, badly mixed. <laughs> we got a worship song. Right. And you're like, and it's really painful to listen to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if actually, I don't know if I had a question. That I think I was just <laughs> chewing on the idea of, because I'm talking out loud, I'm like, ooh, squirrel. Um, <laughs> The, the principle of creating an environment for you to capture the authentic moments, but also know that you can go into a studio or a space when you're recording, and that's also capturing an authentic moment. It's like spontaneous worship versus prophetic. Sometimes spontaneous is still planned. It's still like you kind of have an idea of where you're going. Prophetic is who knows what's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, we're all hanging on for dear life. And that one of those does actually require musicianship that can handle the moment. The other can be a, a moment that you've stewarded well and that you've developed your way through. But I don't get off a different topic. So second question, which was the first one, and then I promise I'll stop. <laughs> Funniest or awkward moment in recording Hard Cry? Like something that stands out where you all just like almost fell apart laughing or you just had to look at each other and go, we can't take ourselves seriously anymore. Mm. Yeah, we got that moment. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk <laughs> yeah. about that? When we recorded Monday Morning Faith. So the, what's cool about Heart Cry is it is all live. Yes. But whenever we ran into a, a hiccup where it's like, eh, we would just pull something from rehearsals and use that. And then uh, so we spent a lot of time in the studio kind of pre-establishing what we wanted parts to sound like, all of that. And it is actually live, which is really fun for us because we used to do a lot of like overdubbing stuff. But mm -hmm. it was important to me on this project. We kept it hyper live so right. very cool nerve-wracking energizing right. super fun and one of the fun parts about that is monday morning faith is literally just piano and vocal for like, and vocals for like two minutes you know it's yeah. like just super simple and uh in the end <laughs> like the verse one right out of verse one into chorus one the notes it's like the wrong note just like so bad <laughs> it was so bad and and it was and every it took every shout out to of, our keys player we love you tiago we love you tiago <laughs> it took every it took every ounce of like self-discipline not to turn around and just look at him but as soon as the song was over i looked at him and he's just like i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> and we probably should have re-recorded it but we ended up just pulling stuff from rehearsals and it, we got it we got it exactly where we needed it to be yeah. for that because like you know two seconds yeah but um that was pretty funny yeah yeah the praise party stuff was super fun too Just very fun around. yeah is anything else stand out for you <laughs> um hmm i'm trying to think i feel like we are always having a blast yeah so like i'm trying to think of specific funny moments 
Um, I th- I think you I think you hit it for what I was thinking. Yes. Was that okay. was that was that recording? It's tough to beat. Yeah, it is tough to beat. Love it. <laughs> Where is there anywhere? Um, like, are you guys doing any kind of touring or whatever? Like, how, how do people keep up with you? Oh, are we? Always. <laughs> uh, we're not. We do a lot of like, we're, we're, we honestly do a lot of touring, but it's always um, like one off. So we don't do routed ticketing events as much. Okay. Um, we are working on a few of those. So that'll be cool. If you're sure. interested in seeing us tour, uh, just hang on our Instagram and you'll see we'll post random places. See where you're at. At. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we are, we're at conferences and uh, like, especially like youth and young adult stuff. A lot. A of lot that. Yeah, yeah. We do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Cool. And if anybody well, wants to invite you guys out to come tour yeah, or come, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hit us up on Instagram or just go straight to uh, seuworship.com and get the information you need. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, just find us wherever you are on social. Shoot us a DM. We love connecting with people. See you later.